Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode number 10. The subject of this episode is urban legends. Listen in as we tempt fate by mixing pop rocks and soda. Tremble as we chant Bloody Mary before a mirror. And join us as we discuss urban legend-themed movies, including, but not limited to, 1998's Urban Legend. We hope you enjoy it. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Load me up with sugar. Yeah. I don't want you to crash, though, before we're done. Okay. Just keep feeding it to me. All right. All right. Um, hey, I met, over the weekend, the star of a very prominent horror film. You met Basil Rathbone. <laughs> nope. Um, we're going to have to think a little more. Recent? Yeah. More recent, not oh. too recent. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, if only. My mom would. Oh, she'd die. Brr. Do I could give you the director of the film. Uh, who's the director? Eli Roth. Oh, okay. He, he directed the uh, the German film inside of uh, Inglorious Bastards. That would be really obscure and make me awesome and super cool. Uh, no, this, I want to say this was like 10 years ago, movie. Cabin Fever? Yeah. Never seen Cabin Fever. That's okay, but very good. We've narrowed it down. Ryder Strong, who was also in Go Boy, on. Boy Meets World. Um, I, I saw Ben Savage. Really? At a restaurant. When? Like a month ago. Wow. You, you know they're all getting back together to do Girl Meets World. I heard. I thought he was at the birthday party I was at. It turns out we were just blocking his way to the door. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, no, I actually, it wasn't that I just saw him somewhere. I actually met him and shook his hand because I ran into a friend of mine from college. We, we were just out to breakfast and saw my friend. I was like, oh, hey. And he's like, this is Ryder. And I was like, oh, Hi. Of like cabin I fever. don't know who you are. Like everybody knows uh, who Ryder Strong is. Well, if you're if you were my age, you do. Anyway, really nice guy. Super uh, went beyond nothing at all besides just hello, shook his hand. That was it. And you're like cabin fever. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of a way. To, I was like, oh, I can connect this to the podcast. I want to talk about the podcast, but I have to connect him to horror somehow. Uh huh. Uh huh. I've had a fairly horror free month. It was the holidays. Yeah. As far as, like, what do I bring to our gab session? Right. I know. I was so happy that I had this gem. I did, however, on New Year's Eve at, at the party, I was in the company of a Transylvanian. Really? Yes. Someone from Transylvania? Yeah. Uh, my friend married a Transylvanian girl. So did you do the thing that I would be tempted to do, which is ask all the dumbest, most obvious questions or, or make the worst jokes because she's from Transylvania? I, I wish I had oh. because I'd have more to contribute to this. Yeah. No, you did the right um, thing by not okay. being a tool. I only see her at, at like New Year's parties, uh-huh. basically. So this time she had a bottle of champagne and she's like, I brought champagne. Oh my God. And then she goes, but you don't drink, do you? I was like, no. And she goes, but you eat cookies. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's me. I just wish she had said, I never drink. 
wine. <laughs> but that's that, that that leads me to the, the difference between, you know, you know, real life and real life. Oh, R E E L. Yeah. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. It doesn't really play on a podcast as well. <laughs> I like it. You know, Transylvania is probably just a regular place that has Vlad the Impaler kind of in the same way. I'm, I'm just, this is all guesswork. Like Ben Franklin was for me growing up in Philadelphia. Got it. You yeah. Just kind of like in all the souvenir stores, you can just buy a bunch of stuff with Ben Franklin on it and uh-huh. the, the malls named after him and some of the streets. Right. I don't know. Do they have a Vlad the Impaler Boulevard? I certainly hope so. Vlad the Impaler Circle <laughs> near the art museum. Oh, boy. Was that a proud thing one would want to name things after? Was Vlad? It, wasn't he an impaler? I think it brings in some bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say if, if it wasn't for Dracula, the story, and the reputation of Transylvania, it would get less visitors. I bet you does. there are plenty of people who make trips to Transylvania solely because of Right? Sure. Uh, why else would, I mean, unless you just want to travel to as many different places as possible. Not to speak ill of Transylvania. I've never been there. I'm sure it's lovely. I'd love to go there because of Dracula. Because of Dracula. <laughs> My impressions of Transylvanians previous to meeting an actual Transylvanian was well, the movie Dracula. Yep. All the Dracula movies. Sure. Transylvania 6500. Uh-huh. Where everyone was like just kind of Bavarian and wacky. A young Frankenstein where he goes to Transylvania. Mm-hmm. The Count from Sesame Street, of course. From Transylvania. He lives on Sesame Street now. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he's got a New York license plate that reads 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. <laughs> but to meet someone actually from Transylvania is a bit of an, an eye-opener and be like, oh, I guess you're not all just villagers and lederhosen. Right. That's probably and completely inaccurate. pale with teeth dripping of and, blood. And warnings. Oh, <laughs> also, before I ever saw The Howling, I saw The Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf. Oh. Which... I was not aware there was a sequel. Yeah. Which... And I can't remember why, but an American couple goes to Transylvania to get some answers about werewolves. Oh. And Christopher Lee is in it as a like a werewolf hunter. And in that one, that's in Transylvania. And there, everyone seems very simple and suspicious. And possibly everyone's a werewolf. Everyone sort of seems in on it anyways, uh, given a hard time to the two Americans, to the point that there's a scene where something's blocking the road. And they get out and they're like, hey, Transylvanians, why don't you just leave us alone? And everyone just looks all quiet and suspicious. And then they get back in their car and they're driving down the road. And then from the back seat of a small European rental car, sure, pops up werewolf. <gasps> oh no! And then someone grabs their silver bullet gun, and before the werewolf can clear the one foot it takes to right. scratch someone, shoots the werewolf. Cool. I know just that scene by itself is on YouTube. So we're gonna have to do a werewolf episode at some point. Then I won't give any more away. Yeah. Yeah, save some of those gems. Suffice it to say, the one Transylvanian that I know doesn't seem to be involved in some kind of a local werewolf cover-up. Yeah. They are the legends we've all heard, the stories we've all told, the tales we've all listened to. But just because it never happened doesn't mean it never will. So, hey everybody, I'm Marshall Hicks. And I'm Kat Knipe. And this is Boys and Ghouls, and in this episode, we're going to discuss... Urban Legends. Or rather, you know, horror movies. Let me try that again. Horror movies about urban legends. Okay, both urban legends and horror movies about urban legends. All right, but more more horror movies about urban legends. Okay, Kat, you're you're always on point for this. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me what an urban legend is. Okay, sociologists and folklorists, Mm -hmm. people who study these kinds of things, prefer the term contemporary legend 
because that differentiates the modern legend that we have from traditional folklore. And it also takes it out of the realm of being specifically urban because it's not actually a lot of urban legends take place in rural areas. And in fact, urban legends by their nature or contemporary, we're going to call them urban legends here, but oh, you, you know, fun fact for you, they, you know, the, the scholars legend. like to call them contemporary legends because, you know, urban legends by their very nature, a lot of them get more specific and have different details from town to town because they tend to reflect the morality of our time, whatever time we're living in and the area that you live in. So they're kind of a reflection of how people feel about about things. Well, and most of the time it has to do with telling kids and especially young girls where they should and shouldn't be going and what they should and shouldn't do because if you don't do this or if you do do this, you're going to get killed. So it's kind of a way to enforce morality. Little uh, little book nerdishness for you. Thank you. So that's the idea behind an urban legend. Um, I kind of basically gave you less of a definition. It's a, you know, a story that never really has an origin that anyone can specifically point to. It happened on this day at this time with this, you know, here's the news report. It's word of mouth. People say, oh, well, my cousin's friend's uncle, it really happened to him. And he lives just three towns over. But no one, you know, no one knows the person it happened to. They know a person who knows a person or, you know, it goes even farther than that. But everyone seems to believe it. And and it transcends and often you'll have the same stories in um, really places that are super far away from each other. And it spread, like a lot of what we'll talk about, managed to spread without the benefit of the internet. Mm-hmm. And they weren't spread over television either. These weren't news reports that got blown up. And they weren't on the radio or anything necessarily. Right. They were just literally passed person to person. And the famous ones managed to get from coast to coast with variations, but are basically the same story. Mm-hmm. And just get passed down. Really, I'm going to say from middle schooler to middle schooler. By and I large. I think that's most prevalent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when you're a kid, I think there's so little you have control over as a kid that um, I think we talked about this in the Still Scary episode. It's a, a rite of passage to be brave enough to do something like go see a scary movie. Well, you know, most people can't handle it, but I'm 13 and I can handle anything, you know, and much in the same way, telling scary stories or performing scary acts, urban legend-wise, that we'll get into a little bit. It's a badge of honor. You can say, oh, well, I was brave enough to do whatever. Shall we talk about the titular urban legend film, Urban Legend? Yes. 1998. So, Urban Legend is this incredibly generic movie. I actually own it, and I've seen it probably a dozen times. I always break it out, like... Just, you know, every six months to a year, I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie. And then as I get into it, I realize how not great it is. And I end up just, like, cleaning my room and having it out in the background. But, you know, I sat down and, and watched it again. Let's give it points for cleverness. Absolutely. Of premise. Sure. And listen, there are parts of it that are really fun. But the very basic premise is there's a series of killings at this college campus. And it all turns out that the person killing all of these people in the style of urban legends was because her boyfriend was killed in the middle of an urban legend ritual. And she wanted to get revenge against the person who had killed him vehicularly. And so she... That particular urban legend... Yeah, that particular urban legend was the flashing headlights, the gang initiation. If you see anybody... With their headlights off and you flash your headlights at them saying, hey, turn your headlights on. That could be a gang driving around with its headlights off. And if you flash them, 
they'll run you off they'll the road come, and murder you. Exactly, as part of their initiation. Which, so. by the way, did you look into it? Is, is that a is that a thing? Um, I didn't look into it, but I <laughs> I'm about to say that I just realized I was about to say it, the dumbest thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. But I heard it was true, like at least. Because right, I, I was about to call it as false. <laughs> well, I, only well, because it was used in the movie. I, I have no way to prove it. Well, but we both have the internet. This one I didn't think to research. You just assumed, like, well, that's true. No, I just heard it enough times. I just kind of thought it was based. A lot of our, a lot of actual urban legends are based, Will you? at least in a kernel, on some story somewhere that actually happened, and then it gets all blown out of proportion. So, okay. Having said that, cat. When you see somebody with their headlights off, will you give them the flash? Better to be safe than sorry. No. Safe motorist having someone else with their headlights on? Uh, no, I know. I'm kidding. Or, um, I don't really see that that often. I'm almost positive. The last time I saw it, uh, I did flash my lights. But the thing is, in LA, I'm, I don't find myself on a lonely country road. I'm usually, it's like, I'm on the freeway. Sure. There are a bunch of other cars around. So the, I don't feel... There's no gangs in LA, right? <laughs> well... I just, I don't feel isolated enough to where someone would do, you know what I mean? Wouldn't maybe really back maybe it. back in North Carolina, I mean, like out on one of those country roads where it's black as night, like there are no... At nighttime? Uh, yeah, well, you know what I mean. What what I'm getting at is no street lights, like it is sure. truly blanketed in darkness, and you're out on, the, on this road where you might not see another house for two miles, that seems a little bit more... And anybody in that environment who dangerous. doesn't know their lights are on... Has made a has, choice. Has made some kind of a choice. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah. So, the character who winds up being, you find out, is the killer. It was her boyfriend who was killed when these two girls were playing a prank, pretending to be those gang members who, you know, they're driving around with their yeah. lights off. So, the main character in the film was one of the girls in the car who accidentally killed this guy. Not um, the driver. Because uh, we want to no. root for her as a character. Exactly. The driver of that car these couple years ago is murdered in the first scene of the movie. And the first in scene... In another urban legend. <laughs> is probably the best part of the movie and could stand on its own. It's like a nice short film, right? It's a nice short it's film. It's great. And that one is the, there's someone in the back seat. Oh, yeah. Urban legend. Yep. Which... I guess is just that there's someone in the back seat. Does it go more than that? Well, no, it's usually it's it's one of two things, one of two very only slightly different versions, which is the kind of the one that happens in the movie where she pulls over into a gas station, someone's trying to warn her. Actually, the way that it goes down in the movie is obviously a little more extreme, but one of the versions of the story is that the girl pulls over, it's always a girl by the way. Yeah. And it's always like a male cop or male passerby who tells her you know, who, who helps her out. She didn't see the person in the back seat because she's so helpless. Anyway, that just kind of tends to be a theme. Like, young girls don't go driving late at night. But she'll pull over and the um, attendant at the gas station immediately sees this person in her back seat and goes, oh, there's someone in your back seat and she's safe and everyone's fine. And so the gas station attendant tries to warn her, but he has a stutter. Creepy gas station attendant played by Brad Dorff. Brad Dorff is amazing. Who is the voice of Chucky. I know. He's fantastic. But yeah, so she pulls over, it's raining, he takes her credit card inside, comes back, says the credit card company's on the phone, they need to talk to you. She's like freaked out, takes the mace with her. Anyway, he, he behaves really frustratingly creepily. Like you, you just want him to be normal or write, just write it on a sheet of paper quietly. There are a million opportunities, but he doesn't do that. He just acts creepy to the point where she gets freaked out, drives off in the car thinking that the gas station attendant was trying to kill her when the whole time he was trying to tell her someone's in the backseat and then you know she so she gets her her head chopped off with an axe or just some kind of they never show where the axe lands yeah you assume the head and they also don't get into 
Well, what happens when someone's driving at a decent clip and you cut their head off? Right. From the back seat. Well, apparently the murderer, in this case, came off. Just fine. Just fine. Yeah. That's a good point. I wrote down a lot of the urban legends that either happen in this movie or are discussed in this movie. Most of the major ones. Okay. Um, backseat killer, obviously, in the first scene. The babysitter, the callers inside the house. That one's just discussed. Pop Rocks and Soda, Bloody Mary. The scratching on the top of the car when the two people are out parking. They talk about spider eggs and bubble gum, which I hadn't really heard in depth and kind of don't want to. Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Now, that's one I really want to talk about. Okay. Had you heard this one before? No, but I'd heard the humans can lick too. Me too. Okay. I want to talk about that. But first of all, let's detail the way this goes down in the movie. Yeah, so Alicia Witt is the lead character. By the way, did you notice who her roommate is in this movie? I had to look it up. Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris, who bridges both Halloweens. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was in Halloween 4 and 5, and then Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2. Correct. Well, her character in this was named Tosh. (laughs) And Tosh is a goth chick who likes to look for goth guys on the internet. And this was when chat rooms were very new. Yep. Oh, yeah. The two of them have an argument about how she wants to use the phone, but she wants to use the internet. It's my room, too. Yeah. Oh, boy. The the, 90s. (laughs) When you couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time. I remember. It was quite frustrating. And her murder comes. Almost a variation of the call is coming from inside the house kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Where she sets up a date on like campusgothchat.com. Oh yeah. It's something, if it's not that, it's something equally uninventive. And then she says like, I'm going to go get ready. Where are you? And then goes and like primps in the, but puts on some more eyeliner. Yep. And then comes back and it just says, your room, all caps. Oh boy. That's almost like the, like the call is coming from inside the house. It's a good point. Yeah. But, T- but technology now- being what it was. Either there was a computer in the closet or the killer <laughs> wrote your room and then, and ran. then ran to the room <laughs> from wherever she was. That's a good point. Yeah. So and Tosh has a propensity for inviting strange males to the room and then just having loud, wild sex with no regard for her roommate being there and not, yeah. not caring if she's in the same room. So this happens a couple times. So on this particular night. Well, uh, Alicia Witt just goes. I'm not looking, and kind of shields Walks her eyes. Walks doesn't turn the light on, gets in bed. Puts on her uh, her earphones with her disc man. Uh-huh. The, the height of technology. And meanwhile, what she mistakes for sounds of lovemaking uh-huh. are actually sounds of murder. Lovemaking. Rough yeah, sex. Yeah, so she gets murdered. And Leisha w- wakes up the next morning and goes over... After getting a full eight hours. Uh-huh. Finds Tosh dead. Then written in blood on the wall is, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Uh-huh. Which, I don't know if that's an urban legend. Yeah, yeah. But I'm with you. When I kind of researched that urban legend, I came to Humans Can Lick 2, which totally freaked me out. Why why don't you describe Um, Humans Can Lick 2? Well, I read a couple versions of it, and apparently this one has transcended many, many years as well. But the idea is that... Like someone's a house sitter? I, someone's I, well, I, I didn't read anything about a house sitter. It was just the person who lives in the house okay. is either lying on the bed or lying on the couch where the dog tends to sleep. Yeah. And so they wake up, they hear a strange noise, they put their hand down and the dog licks their hand. Re- reassuringly. Reassuringly. Like, oh, there's the, the dog's there. Okay, you like, roll over, go oh, back so to happy. sleep. And then they wake up the next morning and, and in different versions, either the dog's dead or yeah. just not around and then there's a note that says humans can lick too which is 
Utterly creepy. Someone was on the floor taking the dog's place, licking this person's hand. Oh, it's so creepy to think someone was just in your house. Was that their plan, sneaking in? Like, I'm going to lick me some hand. I don't know. That part was never explained. Last week, we discussed folklore. Maybe get more specific. This is what we call an urban legend. Contemporary folklore passed on as a true story. Something you might have heard about seeing pop rocks and soda. Supposedly, your stomach and your intestines burst. Voila, still alive. Please. He's going to explode! The professor in the movie Urban Legend played by Robert England in what I'll call a cameo. He's the guy who comes in and explains what an urban legend he is. He does. And one of uh, the urban legends that they debunk is that uh, Pop Rocks mixed with soda will make your tummy explode. Right. Which you hear that as a kid and you're like, no way. And they say, oh, but you know the kid who played Mikey in the Life Cereal commercial? That's how he died. That's how he died. I was like, well, I, I haven't seen him lately. Right. For our younger listeners, do we have younger listeners? Oh. I don't even know. Okay, for your, for our younger listeners, Life Cereal had a little spokes kid named Mikey who wouldn't eat anything, and then they give him Life Cereal. And they say, he likes it. Yeah. Hey, Mikey. Yeah. So if Mikey likes it. And in Urban Legends, the movie, they even show a picture of, of what he looked like present day. Mm-hmm. They're like, here he is, alive and well. And you're like, oh, look. Kind of kind of still looks like himself. Right. Still, though, I was often hesitant about combining Pop Rocks and I've soda. Never, I've never done really? it. All right, well, here on the air. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we're going to do it. I got a, a couple bottles of oh, soda. Oh, boy. I got some Pop Rocks that I received in a white elephant Christmas exchange. Don't you think maybe we should do this at the very end of the podcast in case we die? Oh, but never mind. No one would be able to edit it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you got these what from... What a great ending. In a <laughs> white elephant. <laughs> yeah, it uh, just yeah. it ends in silence. We're it was, just uh, silent. A white elephant Christmas. My contribution to it was a uh, T-shirt that said, uh, "We're going to need a bigger boat." Aww. but it was too small for me. So I have a question. Logistically, I'm assuming that in order for your tummy to explode, um, as you so fuzzily put it, that's you, science. You have to ingest some in, of it. But when I'm, while it's still like you can't like let it crackle out and then take a swig. It's got to be full force and then the swig yeah. in with the soda and everything's got to go into your belly at well, the same time. All right. Well, we got the pop rocks. Oh, I got uh, two strawberry I've a, flavored. Pop, I've avoided uh, it long enough. You hear that? The glorious. Mmm, they smell good. Ah. Okay, I got this bottle opener from my dad during my last uh, during my okay. visit home for I'll Christmas. I'll let you open it so you can be more responsible for. Oh, a pretty lady! For everyone listening, it's a bottle opener that is in the shape of a sexy lady. That's right. It's mine now. <laughs> it's an heirloom. She's yours now. Wait, is it really old? Presumably. That's... I don't think people really make naked lady brass bottle openers oh, anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that that went out of fashion some years ago. That's so you, too. Okay. I've never actually opened a bottle with this. I just kind of, like, marveled at it. (laughs) Right. And she's functional. There it goes. Very nice. Let me get yours. Yes, please. No, I'm making you completely responsible for my death, if it happens. (laughs) Okay. Uh, They're going to find me on the ground next to you. I know. Just full of strawberry (laughs) pop rocks. Okay. So, I figure first pop rocks. Yeah. And then let, let it pop a little, and yeah. then we wash it down yeah, with I think the soda. So. As, and the combination quickly. of the carbonation and whatever it is that makes Pop Rocks pop yeah. 
will kill us. We'll be, we'll be short for this world. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you ready? Huh? Oh. I, I the sound of us popping. <laughs> it's, it's so pleasurable. Okay. Ah. All right. Okay. Soda. <laughs> oh, it's tingly. I didn't tingling. get very much. I think pretty much all of mine went down the gullet. I think it's increased the level of popping. I'm still alive. <laughs> I mean, I feel a little burpy, but I think that's because I just drank some Coca-Cola. I'm feeling okay, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think this did for sales? Like Pop Rock sales? Like up, down? Nothing? I think probably it stayed about even. Okay. So it, it would sort of scare away an equal amount of people. Yeah. Did they, um... Proportionally. Ah. I love Pop Rocks and Coca-Cola. I hope I wasn't too close to the mic. What if those are my famous last words? I'll have them put on your tombstone. <laughs> Ooh. You know what? For the purposes of the podcast, we don't have to finish our Pop Rocks. Nope. But we have. We keep, we keep taking more. If they weren't so good. Yeah. All right. So so far so good. Now in the movie, Joshua Jackson fakes distress. Yeah, he foams at the mouth and falls down flat. Yeah, and, and everybody goes, "Oh no!" It's a real thing. <laughs> so high fives for not dying. Oh, Woo! so far so good. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> it, it feels you like you just had to burp. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a trap burp. Yeah. It's like it's announced itself, but nothing's happening, and it's going to happen at an inopportune It's going to happen with an explosion of your insides. I'm going to, I'll just have a bloody nose, and you'll be like, Marshall, is, is your nose bleeding? I'm like, well, that's weird, clunk. <laughs> that shouldn't be so funny to me. I would be utterly panicked and distraught if this actually happened, but. Ah, Pack on. Refreshing. Hey, Mikey, he likes it. Marshall, um, did you hear about Bloody Mary growing up? Yes, that was super scary. Okay, so what version, what did, because, I mean, there are kind of lots of versions. What were you told as a kid? If you uh, look into a mirror with the lights off. Right. And say Bloody Mary three times, Bloody Mary will appear. Right. That's kind of where it ended. Right. It, 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 she'd appear in the mirror, and that was enough to really scare you. I think more she, gruesome versions of the story involved yeah. that she's going to come out and kill you come or kill you. whatever. She's covered in blood. Yeah. She'll was, scream. Was there ever any backstory told as to who Bloody Mary was? And did you ever, sub question, did you ever do this? This woman named Mary. That, yeah. yeah. Me too. That, I mean, that's that's all I got from it. No one ever gave backstory. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm still kind of scared of it. Yeah, me too. I think, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I started it many times. I don't think I ever got three is, times through. Dear listener, we've already resolved to do it this evening as we record this. Yeah. Cat's like, we're going to be okay. And I'm like, hey, Cat. I'm not. You're going to leave here when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to sleep in the same room as the mirror. Yep. Just saying. That's the way it goes. We could go to the bathroom and do it if you want. I I, I can't fit the microphone. Damn it. Okay. Have you, have you since researched kind of like any backstory to it? I did. Yeah. But it's all very vague. Mm-hmm. Some people think it's from uh, Queen Mary the First. Right. Who had many Protestants killed. Mm-hmm. And hence got the name Bloody Mary. I kind of like that. I think even scarier, though, is they say it's a woman named Mary Worth, 
But when you look up who Mary Worth is, aside from a comic character that I've only heard referenced on The Simpsons, there's no explanation. And I find that scarier. That is scary. That, that instead of being some kind of like uh, anti-queen propaganda coming out of England. Yeah. That is just like, there was a woman named Mary Worth. Right. What about her? Well, the internet doesn't have anything. Ooh. Yeah. Right? That somehow does make it a little more real. And then some say, oh, no, her name was Mary Worthington. Somehow that you can't get together on this. Right. Makes it scarier to me. Right. Yeah. I've heard that like various stories about maybe it was a woman who had a lot of miscarriages and is very upset well, about... Those things. Queen Mary had a lot of miscarriages. Okay. And, and part of it was, they would say, Bloody Mary, I have your baby. Right. That would definitely anger her more. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're summoning her already. Don't don't piss her off more. However, in researching this, I'm going to save everybody a trip to Wikipedia. They say a lot of this got its start in one of several traditions that young women would do to uh, find out the I name or image of their suitor. This will sound familiar to my friend and yours, Daniel, one of our most avid listeners. Because every Halloween season, we read this play called okay. By Cupid's Trick. In it, there are two girls and they talk about what you're about to describe. And it's the parlor trick. It's a thing well, that you do. Th there's a lot of stuff. There's like peel an orange, toss the peel over your shoulder. If it lands in, in right. the shape of a letter, then that's who you're going to marry. Right. There's something else with walnut shells, I think. There's yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. There's but are you talking about the one where you walk upstairs backward? Yes. Yeah. Um, while holding a mirror and a lit candle. Uh-huh. They say, in the mirror will appear the face of your... Your future husband. Exactly. But should a skull appear, you will die unwed. Oh, I never heard that part a of it. A spinster at the age of 21. I wouldn't want to know that. Yeah, well, you know, comes with the information. I guess so. What you are about to hear is real. It has not been edited or enhanced. Well, um, probably if I could have one to hold, that would be cool. All right, let me um, get a candle. There we go. <laughs> I am the candle for the listeners. Uh, it's still well lit in the room. We haven't turned out the lights yet. Commercial passing a candle to me. I'm going to hold the candle. Okay. Bravely and not drop it out of sheer terror. Um, I guess it won't be completely dark because the computer has to stay on. That's totally cool. All right. I'm okay with it not being 100% dark. It is now dark except for the computer and the candle. Uh, come over here. And we'll bring the, bring the candle to the microphone. Okay, now we're both going to be right here, like be next to me. Okay, now we have to decide how many times do we say it. Um, I grew up on three. Candyman is five. Somebody said a hundred. A hundred? That's ridiculous. And on Wikipedia, someone said 13. I say we go to five because if we do five, we'll definitely do three. Okay. Then we do two more. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so five. Uh, yeah, I'll do it if you will. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. Bloody, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. I'm, I'm, I'm checking behind us. She's supposed to be in the mirror. Oh. Well. Um, so according to legend. <laughs> according to legend. Um, she would appear in the mirror. Yep. Scream at us. Yep. Ring, uh, ring our necks. Yeah. And or just downright bleed us out. But it looks like we're both safe. Oh, God. 
All right, so long. And that's the end of it. Yay, okay. All right, and um, don't think I didn't just kind of try to think of ways to scare you, like by remote control. I'm like, do I have anything that's remote control? And the answer is really no. That would have been amazing, except not. It's totally <laughs> worth it, though, not to, for you to have to have done it and then be here by yourself. Yes. Right? Yes. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we both just did Bloody Mary. We did. What is it about the story that has scared us so much that we are both adults? I know. With adult responsibilities and jobs. <laughs> and, and yet... It's like we didn't do it at the end of the show because we didn't want to be alone after we did it. I know. I have to say, when I was driving over here and I remembered what we had decided to do, my like my stomach did that jumpy thing and I got really nervous about it. In the way that I no longer, sadly, get nervous about like haunted houses where I used to be petrified to the point where I wouldn't even go in them. But once I got over that hump... Yes, I get, like, surprised and I scream, but the that level of anticipation of, like, I'm so jacked up and scared, I don't really get that feeling anymore from those kind of haunted houses. So it was really fun to yeah. have that just for a moment today of, like, oh, God, do I really have to? Well, probably. I mean, I'd say, like, Bloody Mary was one of the first ghost stories we probably ever heard. Yeah, most definitely. And it was never really put on TV. Movies weren't made about it until the last 10 years. Right. So if it's on TV, you got your parents going, well, that's not real, right? But you just got your friends telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And they run damage control on most things. But if you don't go to your parents and say, like, I'm afraid of Bloody Mary, then they don't say, it's not real. No. Maybe I can just, I can hop on board with that. I think that's probably chickens. no. I think that's probably true. And almost it feels a little dangerous. Like you know, I, th I think you also learn about it at an age where you're not really that young. You're old enough you're for, old. for unsupervised ghost stories, right? And then at that point, you feel you're old enough to where you shouldn't be needing to be so scared that you have to ask your parents tell you something is going to be okay and that it's not true. So you just sort of go, "Well, I'm brave enough to whatever." Yeah, but. Are you? Are we? We are. We are kind of are. Finally. Just don't, let's just not say Bloody Mary too many more times tonight. And You just said it again, I Kat. know, God. What do you want to happen in here? Because we, we don't want to hit the magic number of like 22. And then when we find out that's the magic number. Okay. <laughs> but you have to do yeah. it in, in, in short order. Okay. For it to be effective. Let, so. Let's just say so we can both sleep tonight that the number was 100. Yep. Yeah. And we yeah. just, a measly five didn't even... No, you know. she she didn't she couldn't be bothered. Okay, um, now uh, I'm sure that a lot of countries have their own versions of this kind of um of an urban legend. Yeah. By the way, to, to bring it back around to movies, did you ever see Urban Legends Three Bloody Mary? I, I guess have not. It, I think it takes place on prom night, and they some stupid teenagers summon Bloody Mary, and then she's coming after them for the whole movie. I guess is the premise. That's okay. what I hear. But in Japan, they have an urban legend. <laughs> it's so it's so strange. You have to go to the third stall in the girls' bathroom on the third floor of a building. So yeah. I guess any building, um, I, or I think it's supposed to be a school building. But Norman I don't. Myrtle. Kinda. Oh, oh yeah, metal. Okay, third stall, the girls' bathroom on the third floor. Knock three times so the stall door is closed. You knock three times in. I'm sure in Japanese, not English. You say, "Are you there, Hanako-san?" And the ghost is, or whatever, is supposed to say, "I'm here." And then you open the door, and 
there now at this point is where the story changes. It's either a small girl in a red skirt, so like a little school girl. I don't know what she then does if she's just friendly and you're like, oh, I get to see an apparition or whatever. Some versions say that a large white hand will emerge from the door. Some say a three-headed lizard will be behind the door that will eat you. Some versions say oh, it's a blood-stained hand, but I guess this is a thing. You go to the bathroom, do you knock on the thing? Are you there? There have been two movies made about this. The first one was oh. made in 1995 that was just simply called Hanako. The second one, and I had to talk to my roommate, who he can speak a little bit of Japanese and knows a lot about the culture. Mm. I was like, how do you pronounce this name? So I guess the name of the movie is Shinsei Toire no Hanako-san. All the rest of the stuff I kind of could figure out how to pronounce, but it was this toire word. So I texted him. I'm like, how do you say this word? He's like, the, you want me to tell you how to say toilet? And I'm uh. like, that makes sense. So I'm sure he was like, why is she asking me how to say toilet in Japanese? Because you were but, in Little Tokyo and had to go. Exactly. So anyway, a shout out to Chris. Thank you for that. I find that one to be particularly specific and weird in its incarnations. Like, it's either going to be a little girl, a bloody hand, or a three-headed lizard. You know, I get, yeah. do you roll the dice? Like, what, what, is it a different one every time? Uh, upon getting the little girl, that just based on Japanese films. Would not that could really end go either well. Way. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I would imagine it would end poorly. It could become like My Friend Totoro, or it could become The Ring. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever heard of Candyman? No. His right hand is sawn off. He has a hook jammed in the bloody stump. And if you look in the mirror and you say his name five times, he'll appear behind you, breathing down your neck. I watched 1992's Candyman. The Candyman has a hook for a hand. Okay. And the Candyman will come if you look into a mirror and say Candyman five times. They never mention Bloody Mary. They're not like, oh, this is kind of like Bloody Mary. They just keep it the Candyman. In candy the world of this movie, it's Candyman. Yeah. It starts with Virginia Madsen, who is a grad student, and her grad paper is on urban legends. And her husband, a professor, is a professor of like the same topic. So we get to have that same scene of a professor just breaking it down for us and right. telling people how urban legends are connected to folklore. How have I not folklore. seen this movie? Okay. And you know that she is a scholar, just like Robert England is in uh, Urban Legend, uh -huh. because they have African masks. Oh, in the house? Just in the yeah. house and among their sure. belongings. All professors, I think, are required to have African, African masks. masks. Yeah. It's like, well, they must be smart. Exactly. They've got books and African masks. Mm -hmm. So she is interviewing like teenagers and one of them mentions the Candyman legend and it's about like a white guy who's a uh, Ted Raimi and a girl like the girl says it five times and gets murdered yeah and then the cleaning women the, the black cleaning women are like oh yes the Candyman well this other cleaning woman knows more than me and then she mentions a specific murder in like the projects yeah and it turns out that like the local projects have the the medicine cabinets in the bathrooms can be removed and behind it is the medicine cabinet in the next bathroom. So someone can oh. come into your oh, apartment God. and just murder you. That's terrifying. And so at first she thinks that the Candyman is actually just a local thug who's going around using the Candyman legend. Aha. Uh -huh. And the legend is that in the 1800s he was a black man mm -hmm. who was a painter and who would do portraits. And he did the portrait of a 
a white man's daughter and they fell in love. And then the father hired some men to kill. Yeah. Who would become the Candyman. He had a name. And they killed him in a gruesome way, including like chopping off his hand, shoving a hook in there, I suppose, covering him with honey, hence candy. Oh. And letting bees sting him to death. Oh, boy. So from time to time, the Candyman will open his mouth. That's why the bee the on the... bees will oh, just kind of... I, see, this is... The imagery of this is... Come out of his mouth. Yeah, from my childhood. I think this is why I never wanted to see it as a kid, because it really freaked me out. It's freaky. It's a really freaky image. Yeah. But her research leads to the arrest of a local thug. The residents of these projects believe in the Candyman a little less as a ghost. Uh-huh. So now he has to uh, up their belief in order to exist. Oh, like like Tinkerbell. You have to clap or whatever so she I'm can glad fly. You went from there to Tinkerbell. You know what I mean? Things yeah. like that. Or like thinking lovely thoughts so you can fly in Peter Pan. Uh, why am I stuck on Peter Pan? But sure, I, I, it's yeah. interesting he needs the belief. He or the belief. or I could go to Freddy Krueger, which yeah. would probably be more appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> that um, when you stop believing in him, it kind of loses his power a little bit. At least in the first movie. Yes. So, in order to get their belief, he has some kind of master plan that involves drafting Virginia Madsen o- over to his side. Oh, boy. He's and... like, I'll find this scholar. She will write a paper and then they'll all believe. Or... He's like, become my victim and Ew. live forever with me. Oh, jeez. And then... Is she strangely he, intrigued? To the point that she kind of faints every time he talks to her. Yeah. Oh, boy. Then he, like, takes a baby, kills a dog. She gets framed for it. She goes out on bail. Then he kills a couple other people. And now she's on the run. So the legend of her grows. Oh. Then she finds where he's been keeping the baby for a month, which is weird. Then she does battle with him at the projects in a large bonfire that had been constructed of just like junk from the building. Mm-hmm. And saves the baby, but she gets horribly burned and dies. <gasps> but now everyone, they're like, Candyman's in the bonfire. And I guess that's really all he needs. To stay the Candyman. To stay the Candyman is, is their belief. So What a grim fairy tale at, at her funeral there was only like three people but then everybody from the project shows up and their offering to her grave isn't flowers but a hook Ugh. right ending of the movie her husband who cheated on her uh while she was in the insane asylum with one of his students he's all alone in the bathroom and he's like helen 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 that was her character's name uh-huh and then he says it like two more times, giving you five <gasps> in the mirror. No. And she appears behind him all kind of burned and weird ah! and she's holding the hook. And oh, that's the man, end. Oh, man, I'm going to tear all my hair out. That's really fun. Yeah. Wow. I'm not even mad that you spoiled that. I feel like I experienced it because the way you told it was so engaging. Well, I'll tell you engaging. what. Now you can jump from that right to the sequels because I know there were sequels. I'm sure they were just as good. Candyman is considered really widely to be good, right? It's yeah. Not, okay. Uh, based on a short story by Clive Barker. So he's, well, he's quality. Well, no wonder. His, his stuff is always unique and interesting. Let me, uh... Tell you about some uh, some celebrity urban legends. Oh yeah, Scream Queen Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I know this one. Is not a hermaphrodite. No, she's not. That all got started when a textbook, and, and by the way, people say that I, I believed it for a while also, and then just looked it up. Yeah. That like, oh yeah, it's true. She's even in a textbook. Well, she is in a textbook where the writer is describing hermaphrodites born with both male and female bits. Mm-hmm. And says that they would look kind of androgynous, kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis looks. 
thanks a lot, scientist. Right? What you know, a butthead. He just said, like, oh, who do I know that kind of is, you know, he could have said David Bowie and just gone the other direction, a guy who looks kind of girly. Or just described it and not given an example of a person whose life they would forever annoy by this yeah. rumor. So. I didn't realize that that truly was, that was in print. It, wow. it, it was in print as a comparison. Right. Not in print no. as, like, I, I, yeah. she had a penis. God. So. There but you what go. a nuisance. I mean, that's followed her I forever. I like to think we just said it straight, and now no one will think it again. I hope that's true. Spread <laughs> the word, everyone. Okay. As mentioned in the movie Scream, the Richard Gere gerbil in the butt story. Uh-huh. This is not true. Richard Gere, I'm not saying he never put a gerbil in his butt, but yeah. he never went to the hospital for someone to take it out, and that's the story. Oh, he showed is, up is at that the, the hospital. St- right, right, right. Um, what he does in his own time, I don't know. And and might I add, I don't care. I think, actually, I do. When yeah. it's a gerbil in the butt, poor yeah. gerbil. For some reason, it targeted Richard Gere above other celebrities. But the rumor would be about lots of different celebrities in Philadelphia. A guy, Jerry Penicoli, who was a newscaster, uh-huh. he got it a lot. The gerbil story was applied to him. Uh huh. And when I looked this up, it was like Richard Gere, other celebrities, and Jerry Penicoli. Wow, that's funny. I don't think I heard it about anyone. I think in my every town would area. kind of have theirs, except yours, apparently. I be, except for mine. Where people are classy and mm-hmm. don't talk about dribble butt stories. Yep. Okay, but here is a showbiz one that turned out to be true and maybe read it. Well, I think there was the legend first and then it turned out to be like a real instance of it. The legend is of like a carnival comes to town, children go missing, and it turns out that the spook house ride when it would feature like skeletons, those were the children. <gasps> I know where it, that came from. Well, go on. Well, are you referring to the um, spook house in Long Beach that was discovered during Six Million Dollar Man? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm under the impression that, like the legend came first. It did. Okay, the legend was first, and then the Six Million Dollar Man, the show, was filming in a Long Beach spook house. Right. And someone someone broke the arm off of a of a mummy in the spook house and realized there were real bones in it. There were real bones. Yeah. It turns out it was a it was a criminal. Yeah. He was shot over $46 and two bottles of gin or something, like on a train somewhere in like yeah. 1911. But I think he was famous enough that The Undertaker would like put him on display. What what I read was that The Undertaker was just really proud of the embalming work he had done. It wasn't that this guy was that notor- notable. But either way, he put him on display for a while and people could come by. And what I heard was you could put a, like a nickel in his mouth. Was to pay the admission. Oh, yeah. And like, how did you get those nickels back? Turn and, them upside down and shake them. But then, gross. <laughs> but then after, so I guess after that was done. A couple guys showed up. And said, where's brothers or cousins or whatever? Yeah, but really they were carnival folk. Yep. Who then put them on display. Put them on display. He traded hands a bunch of times and wound up. By in, the way, if you've lost track here, this really happened. He yeah. wound up in a spook house in Long Beach. And so people were going through the spook house for God knows how many years. And it was a real dead body that they were being spooked by. I mean, that is terrifying. Um, My favorite part of the story is that when he was finally laid to rest, like in Utah or or somewhere, they actually poured concrete over the casket. So nobody stole him again. Yeah, because he'd been... hot property. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty spooky one. This audience is watching what the film critic for After Dark magazine has called the most terrifying movie I have ever seen. Leave me alone! Jill, please don't 
trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. Just get out of that house. Every babysitter's nightmare becomes real when a stranger calls. Uh, last night, to prepare for this podcast, I rented When a Stranger Calls from <gasps> 1979. I've never seen the original. The remake scared me pretty badly, though. It was really full of th- thrills and chills. I didn't watch the remake. Was it all set in one night? Yeah. Good. Be- uh-huh. Because, let me tell you about the original, 1979, When a Stranger Calls. I would love to hear. It starts, the first 20 minutes is all set in the house and goes through, step by step, the entire urban legend of... Have you checked the children? Mm-hmm. The actress is a pretty young Carol Kane. Oh, who, really? Yeah. Who's okay. been around. Her most notable performances, in my mind, she's in old age makeup. Uh-huh. She plays Valerie in The Princess Bride. Yeah. And she's like an old crone in that. And in Adam's Family Values, yeah. she's the aunt. What's, what's her? She's a grandmother. Your grandmother? I believe she, yeah, I think so. She's great in that. She's been around a uh, lot she... in Scrooged. She's got that Taxi. funny voice, you know. When a child is born, one of the one of the other two has to die. That's just not true, not anymore. You know, right. she's she's great. Well, uh, when she was quite young, she was the young babysitter. I didn't know that. Who, this makes me really off. want to see the original. And it just takes you step by step through the entire right. urban legend. She starts getting phone calls, and the voice is just like, "Have you checked the children?" Yeah. And then she gets freaked out, and then it calls back. Why haven't you checked the children? Yeah. And she thinks it's uh, it might be the father of the couple that right. went out to dinner. And at which point, if she thought it was the father, why doesn't she check the children? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just poke your head in. He's just asking you to check on them. Yeah. yeah. Check the children. But then it starts getting creepier. She calls the cops. The cops aren't really a big help at first. But then they're like, you know what? We're going to trace the call for you. And then they trace the call. And the call is coming from inside, inside the, the house. house. Yeah. And then she tries to run for it. And she can see up the steps. Oh, like boy. Like the, uh, the light from a door opening. Oh. And she can see the silhouette. so scary. And then she opens the door. And here's where it kind of goes off the rails. Uh. Because everything we'd seen up to this point was actually a short film called The Sitter. Uh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. It was, you know, how we watched the, the uh, Urban Legends, and we said, oh, the beginning could just yeah. make its own short film. Yep. This one literally was a short film. Oh. Called The Sitter, which took from the Urban Legend. After Halloween came out, the John Carpenter's Halloween, oh. the director of the short said, hey. Let's expand it. Let's expand it. I don't know how many years passed between the short and when it was made into a feature, but Carol Kane looks a little older. Oh my goodness. In the movie, it's supposed to be seven years, and I really wouldn't actually be surprised if it was seven years. Wow. she does look older and a better actress. Wait, so the movie takes you seven years into the future? As soon as she opens the door, there's a freeze frame on Charles Durning. And then it kind of just becomes a completely different movie. What I thought was going to be a movie-long game of cat and mouse between the babysitter and the voice at the end... Which I guess the remake was. The remake was. Right. Brilliantly so. Which is what I thought I'd get. But instead, it then reverts over to Charles Durning as the cop on the scene. And the, the guy gets locked up. And then they go ahead seven years. Charles Durning is now a private investigator. And the man has escaped from a mental institution. And he, oh, he seeks okay. him out. Um, around Does he Los- say he has the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes? He's got a good speech. <laughs> I see what they're doing there. About like, like He's escaped from the insane asylum. Seven years ago, he murdered two children. Broke into the house and found them asleep in bed. There was a little boy, four and a half, and his little three-year-old sister. After the coroner's investigation, 
The bodies were taken to the mortuary where the undertaker took one look at them and said their bodies couldn't be reconstructed for the burial without six days of steady work. Then he asked what had been the murder weapon, because looking at the mess in front of me, couldn't imagine what had been used. The coroner told him there had been no murder weapon. The killer had used only his hands. Charles Durning, the actor, just died. Like, oh. Like last week mm-hmm. or a couple weeks ago. So I thought I'd give like a mini salute to him here, talk about him a little bit. Folks, you may know him from the first Muppet movie. He was Doc Hopper. He was the politician in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay. He has played Santa Claus five times <laughs> in five different projects. He was never on camera until he was 40. He got kind of a late start, but is considered just a great character actor. Uh-huh. Looking into his, uh, his past, he fought in World War II. After um, uh, the invasion of Normandy, he mm-hmm. was the only living guy in his unit. He was really? Part, he was part of it. He was a POW, not unlike Donald Pleasance. Uh, he was part of a mass execution where out of a, like 100 POWs, only 20 survived. He was one of the 20. And despite being uh, wounded with bullets, he went on to be a dance instructor. When, I... when, when he couldn't get acting work, he would uh, teach dancing. Wow. Yeah. He has 207 actor credits on IMDb. Oh, and all of this, by the way, I got either from Wikipedia or IMDb. Wow. Sounds like quite a life before he even stepped on the screen. Uh, so Charles Durning, he will be missed. So long, Charles. I know, I'm a great businessman and a sweet fella, but I do lack the skills of a performer. You also make a lousy frog. Continuing on, though, so he's trying to hunt down. He's basically playing the kind of a private detective in a cheap brown suit whose life is finding this killer. Right. The killer is really good. The actor, whose name I didn't write down, was terminally ill during the entire filming and died shortly thereafter. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he's just crazy and trying to keep it together and then because he's been off his meds for too long, is no longer able to. And have you ever seen Blue Steel? No. He's like Ron Silver in Blue Steel, kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Check it out. I'll have to. I think it was like early Catherine Bigelow with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, Carol Kane was in the first 20 minutes of the movie, and then we don't see her again until an hour 17. Whoa. So she's been gone an hour off the screen. Wow. But now she's got kids of her own, and she's going out to dinner with her husband. Oh, boy. With the kids of the babysitter. They get a call at the uh, restaurant. Have you checked the children? She freaks out. They go home. The children are fine, but they know the guy's on the loose. And then it's just sort of a, a long, tense night. Yeah. With her believing that, you know, the killer is somewhere nearby. Yeah. You know how nearby he is? Is he right inside the house? When she gets in bed with her husband, (gasps) she can hear a voice and she thinks it's coming from the closet. And you're like, oh my God, it's coming from the closet. It's coming from the closet. But no. He's in bed next to her. It's not not her her husband. husband. (gasps) It's him. That's terrifying. How does that work out? I don't know. But they have like a 10 second tussle and then Charles Durning comes in and shoots him. Cool. Yeah, right? That's fun. So. The remake, I'm trying to find the actress's name. Oh, Camila Bell. Just gorgeous. But actually, it's funny. My stepmom and I still talk about it. We happened upon that movie. We were hanging out one night at home. And um, we just happened upon the very beginning of that movie. It was on one of the movie channels they had. And we locked in and we watched the whole thing. But, like, my dad came home right towards the end when things were really tense. Scared the crap out of us. Like, we op- he opened the door and we were like, Bleh! I mean, it's it's a really suspenseful movie. And the ha- it's one of those movies where the house is a character in and of itself. The house that she's watching the children in is this really elaborate, like, all windows, like, really modern house, wow. like, on a lake. 
isolated, of course, but in the center of the house, there's like like a Japanese. Like it's a not an aquarium, but it's like, and it's in its own little room. It's like almost like a greenhouse, but there are walkways over water. Like there's water with, it's like a koi pond, I think. All right. And uh, so this, there's a scene. This is wildly different from all of my babysitting experiences. Right. So there's a scene where she actually has to get in the water, I think with the kids. I can't, maybe not, but they get in the water and the water's deep enough to like be in the water underneath, but still have your head above. But like so hiding under one of the walkways as he's walking over. It'd be interesting to watch it again. I, th- I think I own it. What um, was the killer's just, motivation in, in that one? I don't remember. I saw it just the once. I Mine don't remember those details. crazy. I, I thought... Think, I think he was just crazy. And in fact, I don't think you... I could be wrong. If you see this guy's face, I think it's maybe once. Really? It's kept very mysterious. It's just he's like a figure, which is intensely scary. scary. Yeah. She was alone in the house with the children. Hello? When the phone went dead. Who is it? A stranger stepped out of the dark. And a reign of terror begins. He was inside the house with her. He is out there somewhere. He will go after someone else. I'm sorry, sir. There seems to be some problems. Carol Kane, Charles Durning. When a stranger calls back. That's about it. I guess nice. I'm just trying to keep you here yeah. um, so that I'm not left alone in, yeah. in the room with, with the, the scary room. Bloody Mary mirror. Uh, you just said it again. Albert Beat, what are we up to? I like don't 19? know. Like 19? I'll edit them out. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be gone. It's like that time when you erased Michael Myers from your VHS tape. Oh, yes. The listeners will remember. Yeah, it's canon now. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the uh, end of our discussion of Urban Legends. I'm very sad it's over, only because now I'm afraid to be alone. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now two adults who just did Bloody Mary for the first time will retire to their own homes. And probably uh, sleep with a couple extra lights on. What were we thinking? Because we got scared enough as children and never dealt with that fear. If I didn't already sleep with my teddy bears, I would be pulling them out this evening. I I may leave on a desk lamp. (laughs) You know, just have on. Just cause. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't heard our other episodes, um, there are nine others before this one, all of which are really fun. This is our 10th episode. And if you have been listening the whole time, thank you so much. Uh, And if you want to hear more about urban legends surrounding movies and movies that are cursed, you can actually also check out an episode we did with uh, Matt Fondelier's There Will Be Spoilers. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should go check it out. I think it's the October 29th episode. Of 2012. Uh, of 2012. Yeah. So if you if you're if you listen to this episode and you you just want more, go over there because it's a lot of fun. Listen to us, slightly out of our element. Yeah, and Matt's great. And if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, ask us a question, suggest a topic, you can always write us uh, boysandghouls at gmail dot com. That's correct. All right. Well, thank you uh, all for listening. And Cat, as always. Beware the moon. Beware the moon.